what a joy it is for Dory and I to be here. And Diana's with us, and Phyllis is with us, and Keith just popped in, so it's really cool to see you guys here as well. Miles, do you remember, I was just recounting this to somebody, do you remember the first day we met, the trick that was played upon you? It wasn't even a trick, it was just, I call it just sheer ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> On everyone's you, uh, as I recall, you were not a happy camper to be meeting me no, that I was day. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they were taking you to lunch, as I understand, yeah. at the Hunter's Inn, yeah. and they didn't tell you that they were going to take a little turn around the corner and go above the Salem Five Bank Building, and introduce you to me and, and lay down some guidelines for your life. God is so uh, humorous. He has a good sense of humor. Standing in front of a bank. I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> oh, he didn't tell you. Oh, she didn't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I've relived that moment uh, many times, but God is so good. God is so good. You said uh, about your labor in the Lord never being in vain. It was your dad who, after he had had uh, a stroke and was at Beverly Hospital, I, w I wanted to test uh, Lloyd Burfield's memory. And I said, Lloyd, what is the word of the Lord? He, he memorized scripture. He knew and walked with the Lord. And I said, Lloyd, what is the word of the Lord? He had just had uh, a stroke uh, within those 24 hours. And he said, he said to me, he, he looked at me and he said to me, don't you ever forget it. Your labor in the Lord is never in vain. He quoted that from uh, 1 Corinthians 15, but... Whatever you do, and here, here I'm with Dory and I stand here looking at Miles and Lisa. Your labor in the Lord is never in vain. Look at what I've done. You know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. But uh, let's turn in Scripture. How many of you have to be dragged once in a while? I think, Miles, is safe to say you might have been dragged a little bit that day uh, in that first encounter. But how many of you sometimes have to be dragged by God to get to where you're supposed to be? Anybody else besides me? <laughs> he arrests us, and that's really a legitimate biblical term. God arrested Paul, and Paul said, I want to arrest him for that which he has arrested me. So it's a really a, a beautiful uh, thought that Paul has. But I want us to look at 567. I'm really keen on um, Bible memorization, so think 567. Say that with me. Okay, Isaiah 56, 7, 5, 6, 7. Isaiah 56, 7. Uh, I have needed to find this at critical moments, and finally I got a little memory device so I could always remember this passage of Scripture. And uh, you know it well. We know that Jesus uh, memorized Scripture, and he didn't carry around a Bible with him. They didn't have texts of Scripture and, of course, uh, he quotes this passage, which we're going to look at in a moment, and then we're going to jump into uh, Philippians 4. But if you want to stand with me, uh, feel free to do that. If you'd rather remain relaxed and seated, you know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they were all seated in one place. And sometimes sitting down is a better way to receive. But if you want to stand, stand with me. If you want to uh, remain seated, uh, be seated. An amazing biblical text, this is Isaiah 56, 7. This is one of those Mount Everest portions of Scripture. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. 
Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted by me on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples, for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Now, Jesus has a passion for this passage of Scripture. Um, you probably know it well, I presume. It's Mark chapter 11. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus drives out of the temple those who are there for dishonest gain and something other than God's purposes. And Jesus cries out with his passion in one of those rare moments of Jesus' passionate anger. And the biblical text says in Mark eleven seventeen, as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. Now, just hold on to that thought. Now, Paul, I believe, is walking in this house of prayer reality. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. This is Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a mouthful. Let's pray. Abba, Father, we humble our hearts before you. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. You humbled yourself to, to the death on the cross so that knowing that you were doing Abba's will, that your, the purposes of God would come to planet Earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are willing to become the sin bearer of the world and lay your life down for us. So, Lord, we bless your name now. Open your word. Open the scriptures to us, Lord. Sow good seed into our hearts for the glory of your great name. Everyone said amen. 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 Just relax and be seated. As, as I said, as I referred to Miles a little bit there, and so much that happens in my life, I'm not always aware of it until it happens. And then I'm aware that God is doing something very, very unique. Um, it was about three years ago that our, our beloved Paul Pastorello, he's an elder in our church, he's 77, I lost track a little bit there, I believe Paul is 77, 78 years old, and Paul has this thing about loving me and showing me appreciation once a year by dragging me to a pastor's appreciation day, and I never want to go, I never want to go. But somehow he drags me there. He manipulates me. Oh, oh, subtle little threats that you're going to miss something really big if you don't go to this. So we go, and it's down in Randolph. It's really a, a beautiful day. And whenever I go there, I'm really, really thrilled, and I'm really, really happy. As I'm driving home, I say, why did I fight this so much? And that's, again, it's a pattern that seems to be ingrained in too many of us, especially myself. But at this particular Pastor's Appreciation luncheon, um, they were giving away a trip to Israel. We had been to Israel once. We had been to Ireland three times. And, 
Uh, I think I would have preferred maybe uh, that they were giving away a trip to Ireland that day. But nonetheless, they were giving away a trip to Israel. And uh, lo and behold, my wife makes me fill out this form, and she fills one out for herself, and then we pass them in. And uh, I'm not even paying attention with this drawing that they're making. And all of a sudden, they say, the, the winner of the trip to Israel is Scott Smith. And I'm looking around, man, how could there be two Scott Smiths here? <laughs> I, I was not dawning on me that, the, that my wife and I were being given this trip to Israel. And all of a sudden, everybody starts clapping, and my wife's pointing her hand at my head. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, that's me, isn't it? And then we got up, and uh, it was really, really a special, uh, special thing, to be sure. The trip covered almost all expenses, and our beloved little church made up the difference for what was lacking. And so there we were. We were in Israel, and it was a little bit of a shorter trip than our previous trip. But uh, the first trip that we went to Israel at the Kotel, which is the Hebrew word for the wall or the wailing wall, uh, sometimes called the Western Wall. Are you all familiar with that? Most of us have seen pictures of it. It's uh, the only remaining portion of the temple of Jesus' day. So it's the actual dwelling place of Yahweh Elohim Sabaoth by his spirit in that day. It still was in existence. The first trip to Israel that uh, we saw the Kotel, the Western Wall, it was pouring cats and dogs. And there was one person there. We couldn't even see him, but later I learned that there is 24-7, 365 prayer going on at the Western Wall for many years, many years. I didn't know that until that moment. But because it was pouring cats and dogs, they gave us the underground dry trip of walking through the walls so that we wouldn't get soaked at, at the wall there, the outside portion of the wall. So we kind of missed the wall in that particular sense, but this time... As we were there, it was a beautiful day, and I thought, oh boy, you know, it's just perfect timing and perfect weather. So there we were, and Dory had to go to the side for the women. There's a little bit of segregation still there. The ultra Orthodox are pretty much in control of the wall, and that's okay. You know, respect the traditions of Judaism. And I went to the side for the men. And uh, there was an ultra Hasidic who gave me a prayer book. And he says, you can use this if you want to, and you don't have to. It's, it's entirely up to you. And so I took the prayer book with me, and I walked down to the, to the wall. I put my hand in. And of course, all these little pieces of paper, they have to clean them out on a regular basis. of people who come from all over the world with prayer requests and put them in the wall. And I thought, wow, this is really a special moment. But then I, I got to be honest with you. What I was really thinking about was lunch. What I was really thinking about was, I need a cup of coffee. I've been on the road, not getting as much sleep as I usually get, and so I'm conflicted in these moments. Here I am at the wall, but boy, I could use a Starbucks right now. Um, so anyway, I get down on my knees, and I open up the prayer book, and I think, oh, this is really a nice prayer, and I start to pray through the prayer. is prayer for security for people who go through troubles, who go through trials, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon me, and I am crying my eyes out. And I'm starting to see faces and faces and faces of people, 
Some that I know that I've been praying for and some that I don't know that I've never seen before. And I'm just crying. One of them, of course, I mentioned his name today, someone in our church who has moved a little distance away. And I had a dream about him the other night that he was in deep trouble. He was in, in a crisis. And I remembered, boy, that was one of the faces I saw at the wall. But something very dynamic happened to me there. There was an ignition or a reignition in my heart for prayer and for intercession. And I would go to this passage of scripture in Isaiah 5, 6, 7. Isaiah 56, 7. I would go to that and discover that the house of prayer is intended by God for his purposes to be a house of prayer for all the nations, for all, the, not only for the Jewish people, starting with the Jew to be sure, but then it was to be a house of prayer for all the nations of the world. And the little Hebrew word here is kind of interesting. Uh, Jewish people love to tell you this. The prayer for all the nations, it's the word goyim, which means unclean ones. That is, prophetically, God has made a way for the unclean to come and be clean again, for come and be holy, be sanctified in prayer. And then, of course, you're so well aware that Jesus picks up on this passion and says, my father's house shall be a house of prayer for all the nations. I actually forgot I had these. Let me just pass these around real quick. These are the two little brochures. You can just check these out. These are the two brochures that I picked up for my house will be a house of prayer for all people. And there's a Western Wall. You can actually um, send your prayer requests to the Western Wall, and someone will take your prayer request and put it on the wall. But these are interesting to look at. You might find them uh, very interesting. But part of what the Lord was really beginning to show me at that time, uh, of course, it deserves underlining. We know it well in Scripture. The Bible is a book of prayer if you will. But Jesus has a passion. He's willing to go to the cross and lay down his life that you and I would come into the house of prayer and be cleansed and be healed and be given restoration and be given hope again because there is something that comes into this world that afflicts and affects us all and it's this reality of anxiety. Anxiety comes into our lives in the form of fear or in the form of concern. Uh, Proverbs 12, 25 says, An anxious heart will weigh a man or a woman down. Every generation has its problems with anxiety. Anxiety can be defined as, and I quote, painful or apprehensive uneasiness of mind, usually over an impending or anticipated sickness or illness. Another source says, and I quote, anxiety disorders in our day is a mental health disorder characterized by feelings of worry, anxiety, or fear that are strong enough to interfere with one's daily activities. I believe Jesus, when he said, my father's house is a house of prayer, has a vision for people coming into this house of prayer, not having to win a trip to go to Jerusalem, but to coming to the local house of prayer, wherever that might be, 
so that they can be delivered and healed from these anxiety conditions that come upon our lives. To be sure, a universal experience that we all have in common is this battle with fearful anxiety. Some would call it an epidemic. Some would call it that ADHD is a similar form of anxiety, an inability to focus, an inability to keep your mind focused on one thing. When Paul talks about this freedom from anxiety, part of his antidote for it is, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice in the God of shalom, that is the God of peace, having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And not just simply the cessation of war, but rich exchange of spirit. It's not just saying we're now at peace with each other, but it's that we're in communication with each other. We're bound together. There's genuine love and compassion being traded and shared. It says, you guys, it was so wonderful. The worship team is so good, Victoria. What a wonderful worship team it is here. How many of you guys say yes? Yes. To be able to come and soak in God's presence. Oh, what a wonderful experience it is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is a house of prayer right here. Um, My mother took high blood pressure medication for a good 40 years in her life. Uh, There is an anxiety disorder in my family that has been passed down generationally for about at least four or five generations. And it was rooted in traumatic death. That is, for some reason, my family entered into this curse of key members of my family dying. Uh, My uncle John Shuneman died of a traumatic death when He was not one of the strikers. He was a foreman. But the rest of the electric company in Milwaukee was protesting. And he was a foreman, so he couldn't protest. He had signed a contract. So he was going to do the work that all of the men who were protesting were not taking care of. And somebody had set a trap. Nobody ever found out who did it. My uncle uh, John went to do the work that was not being done, and there was an explosion, and he died. It was, it was an unforgettable moment in Milwaukee's history. It was on the, the front pages. Somebody was guilty of murder, of killing someone. Um, my mother experienced the loss of her dear brother. But there was this history as we've studied it and tried to understand it. And see, part of the problem, you know, I love doctors to be sure, as you'll see here in a moment. But most doctors treat symptoms and not causes. Most doctors give you a pill for your symptom and they don't know what's really going on. My mother struggled with tremendous anxiety and fear. But they would just dish out high blood pressure medication to move the blood pressure down. So after 35, 40 years, my mother all of a sudden became sick. And uh, 
we thought we were going to lose her in those moments. It just so happened when my mother got sick, her traditional doctor died, Dr. Lamar Baker, who was my doctor growing up in all the early years and whatnot. But because Dr. Lamar Baker died, my mother had to switch doctors. And it was my wife who suggested Dr. Shirky from the nation of India. Dr. Shirky gave my mother a thorough examination and discovered that my mother had zero potassium left in her body. Now, I don't know how much you might know about the body, but our bodies are magnificent chemical factories. Unbelievable. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You, you look up into the sky and see the galaxies. You look up into the sky and the Hubble Space Telescope goes out deeper and deeper and there's, it's limitless. Our God is an awesome God. Unbelievable. But the sky is filled with evidences. The heavens declare the glory of God. But also, these bodies are magnificent specimens. They're chemical factories. And when they're out of balance, something can go awry, something can go amiss. My mother was taking high blood pressure medication for approximately 40 years. It totally depleted her body of potassium. So she was near death. But what happened was this Indian doctor who was very well educated and knowledgeable about the human body discerned uh, through her tests that my mother had no potassium left. So he, she gave her an injection of potassium and also a very practical solution. Guess what? She was told to eat a day. One banana a day. And guess what? In two weeks, my mother was removed from the deathbed to full force energy. Lived another 25 years or so. So it was amazing. But when we, Jesus just doesn't treat your symptoms. Dr. Jesus wants to go for the root cause of what's eating at you, what's eating at us. And my mother discovered that she had some of these worries and these fears, and we began to help her with that. She was a real lover of God. But the Bible has a lot to say about anxiety, and I believe God wants to raise us all up to be delivered from anxiety and also to help others be delivered from anxiety. Look at the Mary and Martha story real quick here with me, if you would. Luke chapter 10. You probably know the story of Martha and Martha, um, uh, but sometimes I presume a lot of uh, uh, information. Maybe I shouldn't do that. How many of you guys know the Mary and Martha story? And you deeply love Mary and Martha. Remember... Uh, Martha is known for being uh, troubled about many things. She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Uh, Luke chapter 10, I'm reading from verse 40. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. A conflict in the house a conflict in the home between two sisters. I hate to see two sisters at odds with one another. I had two sisters. And I knew when, when our household uh, was shaking because of the conflict between two sisters, it wasn't good for anybody in our house. Everybody was unhappy, to be sure. And I look at Phyllis, your sister, 
And uh, Diane, your sister, your sister's a preacher down in Mississippi. She's a great preacher. And you, when you were recently at home in Mississippi, you accompanied her and you were her intercessor, even as you are up here. And she still remains in Mississippi. And Dory, your, your relationship with Debbie, you two have a love-hate relationship. Sometimes it's just really wonderful and sometimes it drives you crazy. But uh, I love to see sister relationships. They're very unique and very, very special. Jesus, wanting to bind the two of these sisters back together, points out and says, Martha, Martha, you are worried. And the word there is the same word that Paul uses for anxiety. You're anxious and you're upset about so many things, but few things are really needed. What do you think Jesus was talking about there? You're worried and upset about so many things. How many of you have a worry list? Things that you just line up. I suggest that your worry list should turn into your prayer list. Write down all your worries and your anxieties and then flip it over and say, these are all my prayer requests. These are all the things that I'm going to put before the Lord. But you are worried, you're anxious and upset about many things. But few things are really needed in life. Or indeed, only one Jesus narrows it down to. What do you think that one might be? Remember when Jesus says in uh, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness and all of these other things will be taken care of. Everything else. Yes, God knows. God knows. But he doesn't want you to have the most vital reality out of sync in your life. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Very important to make those choices. And we all love Martha, to be sure. And I believe Jesus was winning Martha back into the sister bond there of love and bearing one another's burdens. And then as soon as Jesus was done with his teaching, he said, now let's get up and let's help Martha. That's the ending of the story that you don't see. But I believe that's where Jesus' heart was, to be sure. Uh, Psalm 94, verses 17 through 19. This has become uh, one of my favorite uh, psalm verses over the years. Psalm 94 was written when there was some frustration with the leadership in uh, Israel. And the writer of the psalm, the song, if you will, the worship of this psalm is meant to teach. And uh, I was checking the word anxiety out online just recently. And uh, there is some websites called Trump Anxiety. For those who do not like the style of govern governing, if you will. Now, how many of you know Donald Trump is not a politician? Have you learned that yet? So you're going to be in for a ride just keeping your eye on Donald Trump. But how many of you know we're supposed to pray for those who are in leadership? Not form a website called Trump Anxiety. You know, uh, uh, Check it out. It's really there, I, I swear. But Psalm 94 was written at a time when somebody was having problems with the king of Israel, having big, big problems. It was very evil, as you can see in Reading first uh, Kings, you know, some of the kings did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Some of the kings did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. 
But pick it up here in verse 16. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had given me strength, I would have soon dwelt in the silence of death. When I said my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. I love C.S. Lewis says, joy is serious business. When you get the joy of the Lord, whatever comes against you, you're going to be able to put the fire of that anxiety out. Joy. Rejoicing in the Lord when you enter into that house of worship and prayer and soak in God's presence, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it shall be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. Jesus wants us to walk with that sensitivity of another person's need and also be able to identify with them. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brings joy to my soul. Joy can be very serious business because the enemy hates a joyful Christian. The enemy hates a joyful Christian. The Bible says an anxious heart weighs a man down. The enemy would rather have us weighted down with so many things that we're concerned with. But the doorway into the peace of God is this movable house of prayer. Um, it's so important to see this. Paul the Apostle says here, do not be anxious about anything. Now, do you think Paul ever struggled with anxiety in his own personal life? As a human being? Oh, thank you. Miles, you, you, your maturity blows my mind. <laughs> thank you, Lord. It is so important to see this, brothers and sisters, because it's a good thing to preach that we shouldn't be anxious about anything. And then it's a good thing to tell people that you sometimes get anxious. Tell the truth. People appreciate the transparency and the truth. Uh, he was very concerned about someone who was very dear to him. This is in Philippians chapter 2. Um, Philippi was a very unique city. It was a Roman colony originally. It, uh, there were battles over the city of Philippi. Uh, Paul's citizenship was in heaven, as he says. In uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. But remember, Paul also used his Roman citizenship to his advantage several times to get to where he needed to go in Acts 16, 37, and 38. So Paul is a very wise man. But Paul has a, a special friend by the name of Epaphroditus, a very Greek name. He's actually from Macedonia. But to listen to Paul's struggle here with anxiety because of his loving concern for a friend of his in uh, chapter 2, verse 25. I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. That's a warfare term. He's a spiritual warrior. Epaphroditus is a proven spiritual warrior who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. But he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. He's concerned because he's, he's worried that other people are worried about him being sick. Indeed, he was ill, and he almost died, but God had mercy on him. 
and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So Paul is telling us here, indirectly, that he suffered internally with anxiety about losing a special friend of his, Epaphroditus. This anxiety condition that comes into our lives needs to be managed and then finally purged from our lives. Because what you are delivered from one day could come knocking on your door the next. When we get set free from anxiety tonight, Tomorrow, something could come knocking at your door again. And you say, I'm standing firm in the Lord. I am standing strong in Jesus. The word of the Lord tells us so powerfully, these I will give joy in my house of prayer. Uh, 5, 6, 7, Isaiah 56, 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. That is, when Paul became anxious, he would pray about it. Okay, anxiety comes, a concern, a fear. You found out a friend of yours has cancer. How do you respond to that? It's an anxiety coming into your life, but then you say, God has shown me what to do. God has shown me how to walk through this victoriously. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So simply, number one, what we're looking for here to overcome anxiety, conquer anxiety in the house of prayer, number one is continuous, deliberate, prayerful dependency upon Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. The peace of God that transcends all understanding shall guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Paul had a dilemma in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. He didn't know if he wanted to go home to be with the Lord or if he was going to stay here for fruitful ministry. He says, what shall I do? What shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn. I am ripped apart between the two about this issue. But the peace of Christ would lead him and guide him. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How many of you have seen the movie about the Apostle Paul, Paul the Apostle of Christ? It was so, so cool when Jim Caviezel, who played Luke, and Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jim Caviezel says, oh, I got to write that down. <laughs> but uh, I just love that movie. That movie is, wasn't perfect, but it was really good. Remember, brothers and sisters, in the midst of life's trials, in the midst of life's anxieties, Jesus is continually beckoning us for what may come tomorrow or next week that we are not to live in fear of. Come to me, all of you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you my rest. The text says prayers and petitions, and of course, Jesus is the model for that. Hebrews 5.7 says, during the days of Jesus' earthly life, Hebrews 5.7, he offered up prayers and petitions the exact same two words that we are called to, that is, walk in the footsteps of Jesus. During the days of Jesus' earthly life, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries. So this intentional dependency upon God is one of the most important things in our lives. 
learning how to commune with him. We discover peace. Jesus said, in me you will have shalom. In me you will have peace. Uh, John 16, 33. In me you will have peace, but in the world you will have some shakings. But be strong and of great courage, for I have overcome the world. So number one was prayerful dependency upon Jesus, deliberate and intentional. Number two is learning to receive the anointing of joy. And perhaps this is the most important power that comes into our lives. Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to anoint those. And the oil of joy instead of mourning in the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. You know it well, Isaiah 61.3. When Jesus pours out that oil of joy in your life, we saw Rend, my wife and I saw Rend Collective, a band from, anybody of you have any Rend Collective music? If I could buy you a CD, it would be there, The Art of Celebration. We saw Wren Collective at a standing room only Christian concert at Gordon College. And Wren Collective had the spirit of joy that was just shaking the entire Gordon College campus. And uh, it just empowered me. Justin was there with us, his friend Andrew. It was what a powerful conference. And I would describe the anointing on Wren Collective, and particularly on that CD, as the oil of joy. The oil of joy. What a powerful CD. We all need to say, Lord, just smite me with the anointing of joy. And this rejoicing in the Lord that comes, rejoice in the Lord always, these will I give joy in my house of prayer, is because you're getting set free. A liberated man who's been set free from a prison gets happy. A man who has been set free from bondages, is, it's better than the, the Red Sox beating the Yankees four in a row. It's way better than that. And I hope it happens. But nonetheless, it's way better than the Super Bowl. How many Super Bowl rings does Tom Brady have? Five. How many of those can he bring to heaven with him? You don't bring any of that tinsel with you. But what you bring is your relationships with God and with others. Uh, the Bible says, cast all of, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Wow, that's a good motive. He wants you to get rid of all the anxieties because he loves you so much and he sees that you're weighted down with these anxieties and these worries. I love the true story of Tim Tebow. How many of you love and appreciate Tim Tebow? This goes right into the third point here. Rejoice in Jesus and the provision of the gospel. Look at Philippians chapter 2, 8 through 11. Paul is always fast to share the gospel, both in his writings and the book of Acts. Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11 and being found in the appearance as a man. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
to the glory of God the Father. There is Paul's simple understanding, but yet very profound understanding of the gospel. But how many of you remember Tim Tebow? Of course, he played for the New England Patriots for a while, and he is known for the one knee. He's known for going down on one knee in public or in private because he's consecrating his life to the Lord. Now, there is someone else by the name of Colin Kaepernick. Anybody familiar with the Colin Kaepernick tragedy? He goes down on one knee for what purpose? To protest the flag of the United States in his refusal to sing the national anthem. Now, which man do you think is heard in heaven? Tim Tebow or Colin Kaepernick, who set off a firestorm of people protesting the flag. And in this fiasco in the NFL right now about whether to sing the national anthem or not, I mean, how bad has it gotten? Where we pay these guys $30 million contracts to uh, defy the flag of the United States of America. It's, it's just unbelievable. But Tim Tebow knows the knee. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. Tim Tebow attempted to reach out to Aaron Hernandez before Aaron Hernandez committed suicide. Tim Tebow and Aaron Hernandez were both um, uh, players on the Florida State football team. And Tim Tebow had endeavored to reach Aaron Hernandez with the power of the gospel. After Aaron Hernandez had committed suicide in prison, they found his arm with tattoos of Jesus. And I believe it's probably true that uh, uh, Aaron Hernandez knew the Lord to a certain degree. But the root causes of his problems were never dealt with. Nobody knew they were treating his symptoms. A $40 million contract with the New England Patriots didn't heal his broken life. And he desperately needed help. And Tim Tebow was one of the only ones who made an inroad into his life to help Aaron Hernandez. But brothers and sisters, we have the grace to rejoice in Jesus and the provision of the gospel and enter with confidence into this daily reality. But number four is real simple. Cover everything in prayer. I don't believe that you can pray too much. I don't believe that I can ever get caught up in praying to God. Just like in worship, I don't believe we can worship God too much. Is there anybody here who thinks we can overdose on prayer? Can you overdose on worshiping God? There will come a day, 24-7, 365, when the whole planet will be worshiping God. You know, in Acts, in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, we see that picture of they continually go on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's a beautiful thing. But there is this powerful reality in our lives. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, that is, we must learn how to fight a deliberate fight, not to let worry and fear get a foothold, because a foothold will turn into a, a stronghold. If we allow, if I allow a stronghold of anxiety 
or fear or worry to come into my life? What could that mean for my life? If, it, it's, if it's an unclean thing, an unclean spirit, it can actually attach itself to your soul and grow roots in your being. Like a, like a poisonous jellyfish. You know, that's, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the fear part, is that we are amazing specimens and the enemy wants to take control of our lives and lead you and me around on his chain. But it's so important for us to come together and not give the devil a foothold. Not give him an opportunity to build that dark kingdom of fear and worry in our lives. That is, cover everything in prayer as much as possible. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't give the devil a foothold, Ephesians 4.27. But also it's important to be, and this is the last point, be a part of a prayer fellowship or a prayer fellowships. I have, I have a prayer fellowship with my wife. I have a prayer fellowship with Keith for how many years? And, and Dory, of course, we've been married. How many years is it, Dory? 37 years. She's got it. I always look to her because I don't trust my own memory. <laughs> she remembers better than I do. But I picked this up the other day. Dr. Martin Luther King, His Life and His Legacy. I just get really slain by, by the things in here. Dr. Martin Luther King had a vision for the power of agreement. That is, if black people and white people would come together to be one, this nation would soar the heights. And he says, I have a dream. I don't even remember. Have you read the I Have a Dream speech? Look it up and read it and cry. It is one of the most prophetic messages ever given in the history of this nation. He said, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed that all men are created equal. What a powerful statement. Why did we get that? I'm spending some time with a precious 25-year-old man right now. And he's a black guy, and he doesn't know about Dr. Martin Luther King, so I'm giving him all of my little bits and pieces about Dr. Martin Luther King, and what a joy it is. And he doesn't quite understand why I'm into Dr. Martin Luther King so much. But something happens in my soul, brothers and sisters. Dr. Martin Luther King was a man of prayer. He certainly was not a man of any perfection, per se, in the sinless realm of perfection. But he knew the Lord, and he was greatly used by God. And he knew that power of agreement. Jesus, in his movable prayer dimension, says, If two or more agree as touching anything, my Father will take care of it in heaven. Matthew 18, 19. That power of agreement is so powerful for all of us. When there is the breaking down of the racism in this nation, our nation is going to be released to new heights in new depths. And the churches like this one that welcome both black and white and there's no segregation, there's a genuine embracing of everyone from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. That power of agreement is going to bring Jesus back. That power of agreement will bring people together to get people delivered and saved and healed. 
Be a part of a prayer fellowship where you have to mingle with other people. Be a part of a prayer. I, I was part of pastor prayer ship fellowships. They always drove me crazy. And Jeff Marks would have to drag me to them to be sure. But every major thing that happened in our lives had to do with that fellowship. Um, it's just so important to learn to pray with others. Learn to pray with the members of your family. Learn to pray with other pastors, other leaders. Paul says, and why should we be surprised? Paul says, Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. Pray in tongues when God calls you to do it. Um, pray under the unction of the Holy Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. With this in mind, be alert, is warfare terminology, and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I will make fearlessly known the mystery and the power of the gospel. Paul was never afraid to send out a prayer request and say, pray for me. And you must never be afraid to ask for prayer. Uh, I mean, just nail the enemy of anxiety and say, I am going to ask for prayer. I'm going to send my prayer request in. I'm going to do what I have to do, but I'm not going to let this anxiety destroy my life. Write your list of anxiety and then turn it over and make it your prayer request. Your prayer request, your prayer list. God will be there. God will be there. And he will transform those things that are troubling our lives into his incredible opportunities. One uh, preacher that I always loved to listen to years ago when I was trying to figure out what in the world to do with my life was Chuck Swindoll. He would uh, be on the radio and he would say, man's extremities are God's opportunities. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Just say it with me. Man's extremities are God's opportunities through prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we bless your holy name and we give you the credit, we give you the glory. An anxious heart weighs a man down. But Lord, a light heart sets him soaring in the spirit. And Jesus, you said, come to me, all of you that are weary and heavy laden. I will give you my rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and you will have rest, deep rest for your souls. Lord, many of us are afraid of a knock on the door. Many of us are afraid of a phone call in the night. Many of us live in anxiety about things that perhaps will never happen. Sometimes things do happen. But Lord, we find our security and our rest in you. We bless and magnify your holy name. You are faithful. You are bringing people here in kingdom awakening. You are giving them joy in this house of prayer. You are giving them joy, great rejoicing, conquering anxieties and giving you the glory and the praise. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus.